for the cold open, we could just talk about how much of a donkey you are. Bruh, knock it off. I'm over you. <laughs> Sick of this shit. Um, how about for the cold open, we talk about how ESPN has decided to put the onus on league commissioners on how to handle this Taysom Hill situation. So he was obviously eligible to be a tight end last week. So what they decided to do is make it so if you don't change your lineup, if you don't make waiver claims and Taysom Hill is still slotted in at your tight end spot, you could just roll it. But if you make a change to your lineup in any way whatsoever, it'll say it's ineligible and you have to move him as he is registered as a quarterback. How do you feel about ESPN's handling of this situation? Yeah, I mean, I I think they just wanted to put the burden on the commissioners of the leagues and on ESPN, obviously, by just leaving it up to them if they want to take Taysom Hill out of the tight end spot. I think that it's kind of stupid that they're allowing players to leave a quarterback in at tight end. They should have been more firm uh, in terms of their ruling on the situation but you take a risk by not being able to make waiver claims not being able to change your lineup especially if you have some players coming in on bye weeks or if one of your starters gets hurt you know you're, you're gonna want to change your lineup and then you won't be able to so players that have Taysom Hill at tight end will end up switching him out within the next week or two obviously uh because of buys and injuries like i said and maybe they just got to switch their lineup up but it's just a stupid situation like just take him out of the tight end come on he should have never been a tight end to begin with this man does not play tight end i mean that's true that is true but i think the only reason he was ever registered as a tight end is because people complained and they wanted to be able to use him in certain situations although he was never going to be justifiably in play over a quarterback so they gave him tight end eligibility to make people happy and now they want to complain i mean i've got the opposite take i understand if you are upset with espn for making the situation even a concern but if you're one of the people in your leagues and you're giving the person who has Taysom hill shit and you know calling them like dishonorable or, or anything like that you're obviously just a stone beta and you weren't built for this fantasy life anyways. That That's how I feel about it. It's like if you're at a poker table and somebody gets pocket aces, do you expect them to fold because they have an advantage over you? No. You got to man up, you know, <laughs> and find a way to win. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 110 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview the week 12 main slate on DraftKings. Hopefully, everybody out there had an enjoyable Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving, and I mean, most importantly, a profitable Thanksgiving. On today's show, we are going to get into some slate specifics, see what Vegas is telling us about week 12 in the NFL. We'll talk some chalk, give our thoughts on optimal cash game lineup construction, as well as our preferred tournament strategies this week, stacks, leverage, and long shots. Finally, we'll close out the show with our best bets and a quick heads up. We are recording this podcast on Wednesday, so if anything that we say becomes outdated by the time you're hearing this on Friday morning, don't hesitate to hop in the DFS Doses free Discord channel. We'd be happy to answer any questions, give our updated thoughts on the slate. The link to join that chat room will be in the show notes of this episode. Joey, before we get into everything, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? 
You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out links to all of our videos, all of the podcasts that we release, and just all links to all of our content. So make sure you're following us over there. And then you can also help support the podcast by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever podcast site you use, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, whatever podcast hosting site is out there. The DFS Dose is on there. So make sure you are subscribed to helps us out a lot helps us reach new listeners and then you can also support the dfs dose by subscribing to our youtube channel we drop videos every single day whether that be clips whether that be my millie maker video whether that be ben's cash pool video there's new content on the youtube every day so make sure you go over there and subscribe it helps us out a lot and we're trying to reach 130 subscribers so go over there and subscribe absolutely now let's get into some slate specifics so this is a 12 game main slate obviously the Steelers and Ravens game got added to the slate so it is going to be played at 1 p.m so what we're looking at is a nine game early slate with three games in the afternoon there are five games with totals above 50 and the top five implied team totals on this slate starts off with Buffalo at 29.5 KC 29.25 the Raiders at 29 Cleveland 27.75 and Indy at 27.5 Joey what stands out to you on this slate from a Vegas perspective. Yeah, from a Vegas perspective, I think there's going to be some clear-cut games that people are going to gravitate towards for tournaments and for cash games. Uh, One game being the Chargers and Bills game, and then another game being the Chiefs and the Buccaneers game in the late window. And just from a slate overview, I think that there's some really good games and some really bad games, but I, I think I like this slate a lot, so we'll see how it how it turns out on Sunday, especially if I smash on Thanksgiving, which hopefully comes true. I mean, it would have been smashed past tense. You know, the people are hearing yeah. this on Friday. So, I mean, there's a good chance that this podcast is out and you're already a millionaire. Well, maybe not yeah. a good chance, but a chance. Small chance. Maybe Small chance. point point zero 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 five percent chance. You know, better than nothing, right? Right. Facts. Um, So I think that my observation of this slate is that this is a little bit more like the slates that we've expected. Last week was kind of an anomaly slate where I think we only had two games with totals above 50. I mean, we were kind of expecting it to be a low scoring slate, a lot of dud games on there. And at least we have three games, I think, that really stand out in the Buffalo Chargers, the Falcons, Raiders, and like you said, the Bucks and the Chiefs. So I think that at least we have a couple really premier strong games on this slate, a couple duds, of course. You know, I'm looking at that Giants-Bengals game as potentially the worst combination of quarterback play that we've seen all year in a single game. But, uh, you know, we'll get to that later. Definitely at least one play in there that we have to go hard for. I'm I'm sure long-term listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's dive right in though to the chalk of this slate and starting off with quarterback. What I'm seeing so far, I'm expecting Josh Allen to be the chalkiest, highest owned quarterback on this slate. Yeah. So I think Josh Allen will come in as the highest owned quarterback for week 12 in a great spot at home against the Chargers defense that just bleeds points to opposing quarterbacks, bleeds points to opposing offenses in general. And they just play close games every single week. They can't 
put anybody away. We saw it last week with the Jets. They let the Jets score, what, 26, 27 points on them and made it a close game. So I'm expecting Josh Allen to be the most popular quarterback play on the board, and rightfully so. At 7,600, it is a very expensive price tag, and you're going to need to find value elsewhere in your lineup. So I'm not too sure if I'm going to be aboard the Josh Allen train, but it is going to be a tough fade if you do intend on fading Josh Allen or Justin Herbert in this spot. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Herbert because I think that him and Josh Allen is kind of the main decision point um, Mm -hmm. for me as the main quarterback that I want to ride this week. This is actually the game with the third highest total on the slate. Both the Falcons and Chiefs games have higher game totals, but you know, I was expecting this to be the premier game. I thought that this would be the game and I still think that it probably will be in terms of DFS popularity. And you know, from the quarterback standpoint, like both Herbert and Allen are lower priced than Mahomes. So that kind of takes him out of play. Murray is extremely high priced. He's a full thousand dollars more than Justin Herbert and he's dealing with a shoulder injury. I mean, Tom Brady, once you're at that price range at 6,600, you might as well just find the extra six to get up to Herbert. So if we are in this high price range, I think that those are the two guys we want to target. You know, a lot of back and forth potential in this game and just solid floor ceiling combinations like Josh Allen has you know he's been having his ceiling games and he does have rush equity more rush equity than Justin Herbert but Herbert's passing volume has been insane he's on pace to have the best rookie quarterback season of all times from a yard standpoint from a touchdown standpoint I mean he's passed the ball 40 or more times in four out of his last five games so Justin Herbert to me I think is a really strong play very comparable to Josh Allen and if that $400 difference between them becomes necessary i would be perfectly comfortable rolling out justin herbert in cash as well if i had to pick one salary included i think i would prefer josh allen um i think it's a better spot for him at home and i think he has a little bit more rushing upside compared to herbert and he is the bills goal line running back too so obviously boosts josh allen's floor a little bit but both are are great plays and i think that's where the ownership is gonna condense around in cash games this week at the running back position i think there are a couple of guys that will become increasingly popular as the week develops and the first guy that I expect to be in a lot of cash game lineups and a lot of tournament lineups for that matter is Dalvin Cook priced all the way at 9500 highest priced player on the slate and deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have to talk about it that much because I think everybody knows how good Delvin Cook has been this year. And at 9500 obviously a very expensive price tag, but I'm jamming him into cash games. I think everybody else will too. I think he's kind of the player that you start your lineups with at home against the Carolina defense that just gets absolutely shit on by opposing running backs. So this is a great spot for Delvin Cook. It's a better spot. Then he was in last week against the Cowboys, only got a $500 price increase. So it's a pretty easy play, in my opinion. You just lock him in. If you're not playing Dalvin Cook, you shouldn't be playing cash games. And he's kind of separated himself from the field, I think. You know, last week we were kind of debating Dalvin Cook versus uh, Alvin Kamara, and we obviously came around to Cook. I mean, we even said it as early as Wednesday in the week that Dalvin Cook was the guy for us. And I think that that's even truer now, especially with Taysom Hill as the starter and Alvin Kamara not recording a catch for the first time in his career. I think that Dalvin Cook is just safer with the uncertainty 
around the new Taysom Hill-led offense for the Saints. Christian McCaffrey, who's in that price range, is doubtful to return. And then, I mean, Derrick Henry, you're getting a decent price discount, like 1600 to go down. And I do think that he's an elite running back play every single week with his ceiling, but it's just not as strong of a game environment. It's not as strong of a situation with him on the road going to Indy as an underdog versus Dalvin Cook at home in a better matchup as a favorite. So I think Dalvin Cook is the clear-cut priority. And then the second guy that I am expecting to be extremely popular, you know, this one's hard for me, Joey, Nick Chubb. Now, over the past couple of podcast episodes, if you've been listening, you know, I've obviously had some issues, you know, deep inside my soul. And I think that those were more about me than they were about Nick Chubb. And Joey said that I should clear myself, you know, meditate, think on it. And I've done that. And I'm ready to get back on the Nick Chubb bandwagon. This is a man that I have a lot of interest in playing this week at 70, 100. No, he does not have a strong receiving role in the Browns offense, but he has been consistently involved. He's had 19 or more touches in both of the games that he has seen since coming back from injury. I mean, he's just been an absolutely electric runner. No game this season has he put up under 5.6 yards per carry. Not that that is necessarily indicative of future fantasy production, but it just shows that he's been an incredible strong running back uh, this entire year. And this is a great matchup, top six matchup for opposing fantasy backs against Jacksonville. Yeah, Nick Chubb is in a great spot this week. And at 7,100, I think he's going to be somebody that players are going to play in their lineups this week and rightfully so. I mean, ever since he came back from injury two weeks ago, he's had 19 touches, 20 touches. What I think hurts Nick Chubb the most is obviously his limitations in the receiving game in the Browns offense uh, has no game with more than one catch on the year, which severely limits his upside. But I think this week he could get there solely based on his rushing volume against the Jacksonville defense, like you said, is giving up the six most points to opposing running backs on DraftKings. So it's a great spot for him but I could see warranting a fade on Chubb based on his uh, non-existent role in the passing game yeah it's something to think about um I'm not like fully sold on it as the cash game play and the ownership might make him limited in terms of GPP exposure too but he is certainly one of the best plays on the board and could easily put up you know 25 plus in this spot there's not too many great other running backs in this range like Josh Jacobs is in a good game environment with a top three implied team total for the Raiders, but he's on the road against Atlanta, who's more so a pass funnel than giving to running backs, especially running backs with limited usage in the pass game. Josh Jacobs, I'm, I'm talking about you. And then what, like Mike Davis, CEH, uh, James Robinson in that same game with Cleveland. Like I'm not super excited to play any of these guys. So if I'm in this range for cash games, I think Nick Chubb would be my, my preferred option. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I think the only player that I personally would consider over Nick Chubb is James Robinson at home against a Cleveland defense that is going to be without Miles Garrett again. And this is just a usage play. At 6,300, you're kind of expecting him to get 20 plus touches. He is used in the passing game, which is a plus, uh, more so than Nick Chubb. And you're getting an $800 discount. So I don't know. I think James Robinson is one of my favorite running back plays on the board this week at a very cheap price tag. And this is a week where we kind of need the value if we're going to play Delvin Cook and then uh, Josh Allen and or one of the other high priced quarterbacks. So I think I'm just going to take the stance that I prefer James Robinson over Nick Chubb this week in cash games. All right. Robinson won't be chalked though. Definitely not, right? I don't think he'll be chalked, but I think he'll be 
around 15 to 20 percent so he'll he'll have ownership he'll be in the top five for sure but he won't be stone chalk no okay i think that behind chubb and cook one of the more popular guys could end up being wayne gallman who you gave your official twitter stamp to earlier so i'll let you talk about (laughs) wayne gallman here at 5k flat with Wayne Gallman, it's just the price tag is too cheap for his role in this Giants offense. I mean, he had 19 touches in week 10 against the Eagles, had 15 touches in week nine against Washington. And in three out of the last four games, he's had 15 plus touches and he scored at least one touchdown in his last four games played. So at 5k, it's it's more so just the role that he has in that offense and which makes him a good play in my opinion. Like if we take away the bias of you know the name the team that he plays on we're getting a running back at 5k that gets work in the receiving game um is the lead dog in terms of rushing attempts gets the goal line carries and then if we include matchup in there has one of the better matchups on the board against a cincinnati run defense i specifically targeted and you did too uh last week giving up over 130 yards to opposing running backs on the ground so they're not good against opposing running backs and wayne gallman is the workhorse for the giants so i really like like this spot for Gallman, he's a lock in my opinion. So I'll just say it. I, I think he is the RB2 that you play with Delvin Cook as, you know, a salary saver, very good price tag. And then in your flex, you can go one of the other ancillary running back options that, that could be popular. Lock is a bit of a stretch. No, I mean, this is the lowest nah, total lock. game on the slate. He's a road running back. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just not a good spot. I don't know that I want to play anybody from this game, period. I, I do see the points, though, about workload, matchup, etc. And I, I mean, I could see myself playing him. I know they just had a buy. Perhaps they, you know, looked at the tapes, liked what they saw out of Wayne Gallman, and they put him back in there. But God, I mean, this is just going to be a terrible game environment without a lot of points. I'm not sure if it, it's worth it to play Wayne Gallman when you could simply, you know, pay what, like $600 more to get up to Cream Hunt, especially if you're not on the Nick Chubb wave or even, you know, Miles Gaskin for 700 more with uh, Ahmed, Hurt, and Gaskin returning this week most likely. I mean, I don't know. Even got Todd Gurley at home against the Raiders for 5,500 in, in the second highest. Don't ever game. mention Todd Gurley in a cash game again. Uh, I mean, that Todd Gurley's dust. Wayne Gallman's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather play Wayne Gallman in 2020 over Todd Gurley. I'll say that. All right. I mean, if you want to bet who has more fantasy points. I mean, I'll <laughs> take the Wayne Gallman bet all day. Straight up. Book it. All right. Booked. All right. <laughs> On the pod bet. <laughs> good, good, good. I like that. Uh, where are we in the show? Wide receiver chalk talk. So the two wide receivers that we're currently expecting to be the highest owned right now are the two guys from the game that we've both mentioned several times. That being the Chargers-Bills game, both Keenan Allen coming off of a career day and Stefan Diggs, who had a monster performance a couple weeks ago. Who out of these two do you prefer in terms of eating the chalk? I mean, they, they're they both great. They both are target hogs in their respective offenses. I just think Keenan's floor is higher than Stefan Diggs, and I think they have very comparable ceilings. Um, I think Herbert focuses on getting Keenan the ball, and he scored a touchdown in four straight games, so he's starting to look to him in the red zone as well. So if I had to pick one straight up, it'd be Keenan Allen in this spot, but 
I mean, you can't go wrong with playing Stephon Diggs, you know, at home against a beatable Chargers defense. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to go Keenan here. It's just so insane what he's been doing lately, and his target share is just out of this world, the clear-cut number one there. I mean, as is Diggs for Josh Allen. It's tough. It's very, very tough. So, I mean, I think my personal lean would also be Keenan Allen in that spot. Another wide receiver that we could see become massive chalk this week. Potentially, I think the highest-owned wide receiver on the slate is Justin Jefferson, if Adam Thielen is ruled out. He's currently on the COVID list. He did have a positive test followed by a negative test. So this is just a complete mess right now. It's anyone's guess whether or not he will play. Maybe he has it. Maybe he doesn't. But if he is ruled out, Justin Jefferson at 6,300 against Carolina would, I think, pretty quickly become the most popular wide receiver play on the board. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And the fantasy community just loves Justin Jefferson. Um, they, They really do love him. So I could definitely see him becoming chalk as the week progresses especially if Adam Thielen is out and I mean it'd be a it'd be a good spot for Justin Jefferson at home against the Panthers defense that you know they they have been tough against opposing wide receivers but it's not like it's it's a bad matchup or anything so I want to discount that at all and then obviously Justin Jefferson has been one of the best rookie wide receivers one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in 2020 one of the most efficient wide receivers as well so I, I think he'd be a good play but I I don't think that I'm one of those players where like I have to plug him in like some of these other fantasy touts out there that just love Justin Jefferson I'm not one of those guys I think he's a great player but I don't think I would automatically plug him in as the one if Thielen is out I don't know could be wrong about that I'm with you on that and I mean I think that we have seen time and time again that wide receiver injuries don't just automatically like shove massive target shares over to the other guy if it's kind of like a split situation like it is with Jefferson and um Thielen so I mean I don't know I don't think that it would necessarily like raise his expectation for targets like an insane amount like yeah he probably wouldn't have one of those four target games with Thielen out but it's not a lock that he smashes the slate at 6300 just because of the possibility that Adam Thielen misses. So I'm right there with you on that point, especially when he's in the same price range as somebody like, you know, DJ Moore in that same game or Deontay Johnson, who is, you know, a lock for like 15 targets, even in a tough game, you know, and some other players as well. And and someone else who's in that price range, about $500 cheaper is Robert Woods, who is expected to see quite a bit of ownership this week coming off of a 12 catch, 130 yard game and a touchdown on 15 targets against Tampa. Are, are you buying this Robert Woods chalk? Probably not. I probably won't play him. I think this is just a case of recency bias. People see the 15 target game and at 5,800, it looks appealing. But for most of the season, Robert Woods has been a boom or bust player. And I think those are the guys that we want to avoid in cash games. I think his floor is lower than some of the wide receivers around him. Like you just mentioned, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, I would even include Justin Jefferson in in that too so I don't think I will be playing Robert Woods at 5,800 but right now he's projected to be one of the higher owned wide receivers personally I don't see it but maybe I'll come around to him as the week progresses yeah I mean for me there's a wide receiver that I prefer about a hundred times more in that exact same price range but I will save that for my top tournament guys on this podcast a little bit later in terms of value wide receivers is anybody sticking out to you that you think will become extremely popular throughout the week say 5k and under yeah i think uh our boy darius slayton 
could have could have ownership in this spot against a Bengals pass defense that really has no good players in the back end. And at 4,900, uh, people know that Darius Slayton is the wide receiver one in New York, and he's capable of putting up big games. Has the most targets out of any Giants player on the season, I believe. So I think he'd be in play at 4,900 if you need to pay down at one of your wide receiver spots. And then if we go a little bit cheaper than that, I think maybe, maybe not Henry Ruggs or Aguilar might have ownership this week in the best matchup on the board going up against the Falcons defense that can't stop anybody like they just suck so Henry Ruggs at 4300 would be in play and Nelson Aguilar is also 4900 same price as Darius Slayton so those are a couple guys that I could see having some ownership as pay down wide receivers but I, I know I didn't include one wide receiver in that rant and it's your son so I'll leave you to talk about him well, Maybe Darius Slayton is actually my son. Well, he's my son. Well, I mean, he's not your son. Jaco- you just called Jacoby Myers an equal player to him last week on Twitter. Well, I was trolling. You were capping hard body. It was what you were doing. Well, yeah, for the memes. Joey, when when I saw Darius Slayton leave the field with a brief shoulder injury last week, I mean, I'm not a father, but I I imagine that's like watching your kid go down with an injury <laughs> on the field. Like my heart stopped. I started sweating profusely. Like I was just so worried. That's true. That's true. Caring for that man as as more than a fantasy player as a man. I mean, son, don't ever disrespect <laughs> Darius Slayton and put him in the same category Wait. as a man whose whose player profile or comp is Muhammad Sanu and Jacoby Myers. Got it's it. it's kind of crazy that you said that because he didn't play last week. So oh, I meant two weeks ago. Oh, his last okay. game. His oh, last okay. Game, week ten against Philly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're just disrespectful to who Jacoby Myers, because that's not, my son. He's not that good. Give me, give me Demir Bird, forty one hundred. Oh, here we go. This man, the, the, Demir Bird, has out targeted him over the last two weeks. Six more targets. Demir Bird is a ninety ninth percentile runner. He's an athletic machine. This this dude, Jacoby Myers, runs a twentieth percentile forty. He's unathletic. He's a twenty four year old Muhammad Sanu, and we all know how well Muhammad Sanu worked out in New England. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, I know that Jacoby Myers shares your birthday, but that doesn't make him a good wide receiver. Did, did you know that he's PFF's third highest graded wide receiver? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did know that. I wonder what Demir Bird's ranking in, in PFF is. Big PFF guy. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> Demir Bird at 4,100. If you want, I don't hate it. value. You can go there. He has seen targets as you you know mentioned he's seen more targets uh than jacoby myers over the last two weeks but i will note he wasn't the leading target last week that was Nikhil harry in terms of wide receivers for the whole game it was james white the running back so demir bird was third in targets uh in that game against houston but at 4100 i don't mind him I think he's a, he's okay. I probably won't play him because he's a 5'9 midget. That's a, a bona fide scrub and he's not a good player in the NFL. So I'm not going to play him. Um, he's on my team. I watch my team every week. He, he's not good. Uh, but, but he, he can get open and he can bring, break a long touchdown with his 99th percentile 40 yard dash score. So sometimes that's all you need, especially when you're 4,100. But I mean, in terms of chalk, I don't think that people will go to Demir Bird. No, nah, um, I, I people think people just aren't that sharp. 
yeah, I, I think he'll probably be 5% under less. So <laughs> that's my type of play. Um, at the tight end position, I mean, right now projections are showing Darren Waller as the chalky guy at 6K, but I mean, what are we going to do with that, Joey? I mean, you'll never catch either of us with a 6K tight end in our lineup. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation for the pay down movement this week. There aren't many good pay down tight ends uh, that are in play for cash games this week. I think that Darren Waller is a good play. Even at 6K, obviously great matchup against the Falcons. The Raiders have one of the highest implied team totals on the slate on the road. And at 6K, if you compare him to, you know, a 6K wide receiver or a 6K running back, he might be a pound for pound better play. But, you know, we just don't pay up to tight end. It's just that simple. So I don't know what guy is going to be owned in, in the cheap range. It could be Evan Ingram at 4,500. I know that's your boy. You've played him a couple times. Could be Austin Hooper at 3,800. I, I think I like that spot for Hooper. And at a cheap price tag, we're, we're going to need to find value. And when you find value, the first spot you look to is either defense or tight end. I think it's, I think it's Austin Hooper week. Um, he won't be as owned as Darren Waller, but I think he is a good pay down option under 4K this week. Uh, but but it is looking like Darren Waller, and I, I think he's a great play. I'm just not paying 6K for a tight end. No shot. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a good play. So is Travis Kelsey. It's just, it's not optimal. So, I mean, we might as well transition into optimal cash game lineup construction, and we can just stay here at tight end and figure out what we are going to do with this position this week. Like Joey said, I mean, this is a week where we're going to have to use tight end for salary savings. I mean, if you just look briefly back at all of the players we just talked about in terms of chalk, you know, Allen and Herbert, both, uh, you know, above 7K, Cook and Chubb above 7K, Allen and Diggs above 7K, Allen is 8K, you know, Darren Waller is 6K as a tight end. It's like, you know, people don't have $70,000 <laughs> to build their lineups with this week. So we need to find yeah. value somewhere and that's going to be at tight end. So obviously we're going to be finding a way to pay down. One of the players I was looking at that you didn't mention was Hayden Hurst at 3,900. Played him, I think I played him last week. I'm pretty sure I played him last week. Um, But the thing is, is that he has an ankle injury and missed practice. We might have a situation where I'm plugging Jaden Graham into cash games at 2,500 stone men. Hayden Hurst's uh, immediate backup. Yeah, and I, th I think there was a Jaden Graham week last season too when Hooper I was out. so. When Hooper was out one of those weeks, so... Keeping the tradition into 2020. And yeah, if Jaden Graham is the starting tight end for that matchup, I'll 100% plug him in at 2,500 because that's how much I care about tight ends, you know? <laughs> so yeah, Jaden, Jaden Graham would be an easy plug and play. If he opens up, we'll have to monitor that situation throughout the week. But for cash games, I think you play one of Hooper or even maybe a guy. I don't even know. <sighs> Jesus. Tight end, tight end is rough this week, 100%. Trey Burton, I, I, yeah. 3,200. Uh, the Colts have a top five implied team total on this slate. He's caught a couple touchdowns over the last few weeks, maybe. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it, it's tough to play a Colts player in cash because they just rotate a lot of their uh, receiving options in. Like, they rotate Doyle and Mo Alley Coxon at tight end, and then they use like five wide receivers on offense. 
So it's always They're hard running to running backs. <laughs> yeah, so it's always hard to pinpoint what Colts player is going to be uh, viable on any given week. So I'll probably stay away from Burton. But I I think I'm leaning towards Austin Hooper right now. Thirty eight hundred is a great price, and then obviously like we just talked about, Jaden Graham would be a great play as well. And then I think the highest you go is Evan Ingram. I don't mind Evan Ingram at all this week at forty five hundred. I mean, this dude has been getting a crazy amount of targets over the last four or five games now. I know he had a three target game against Philly, but if you look at his three previous games, nine targets minimum in those three so i think he's a fine play at 4500 and is the highest you go in cash games that makes a lot of sense to me and you never have to tell me twice about playing evan ingram that is my son so yeah 4500 i like that a lot and and okay i will say that hunter henry i think is in play too i mean for 300 more you're getting a significantly better scoring environment so that that's something to um to take into account too and i mean Honestly, yeah, Evan Ingram will probably get three or four more targets, but what is the ratio of Daniel Jones quality targets to Justin Herbert quality targets? I think it's a, a significant gap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So I would, I would include Hunter Henry if you have the salary to get up to 4,800. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so like we said, though, this is a slate with salary constraints. I mean, who knows? Things could obviously open up and change. But as we sit right here Wednesday evening, you know, it's going to be tough to fit a lot of these guys in these desirable plays. So right now, what position slash positions are you prioritizing paying up for? You know, is it going to be to jam in Cook and another expensive running back? Or are you looking at these high priced wide receivers as priorities? I think the question is going to be, you know, where do you take your value? Is it going to be with a second cheap running back and, or are you going to play Nick Chubb? You know, so we're looking at somebody like Nick Chubb versus the Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allens of the world in, in that price range. Yeah. So I just have a question for you. Is it viable or to, to answer your question, is it possible that, you know, we pay up for Delvin Cook, we pay up for one high price wide receiver, and then we find value at our second running back spot at our two wide receiver spots instead of just focusing in on uh paying down at one position we pay down at multiple to get you know these high priced wide receivers in to get Delvin Cook in at 9500 and have a very similar construction to how it was last week. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. It's just that the running back value is not quite as available on this slate maybe. I mean, I- for you, I guess it probably is if you're if you're counting uh, Wayne Gallman in there, and I could definitely see myself coming around to him throughout the week. So maybe if you're comfortable with Wayne Gallman, that would make sense because I mean these wide receivers are phenomenal plays. Keenan, Diggs, and Julio Jones is a game time decision, and, and Calvin Ridley at 7100 would just be an absolute smash against the Raiders if he were mm-hmm. to miss. And I mean, even if he doesn't miss, Ridley is a smash at that price. Um, Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, these wide receivers are incredibly valuable. And I mean, we've seen it. Keenan Allen has been just as safe as any elite running back throughout the past couple of weeks. I mean, that's undeniable. So I don't think that you're necessarily, you know, sacrificing floor to play an 8K wide receiver, although that is not traditional practice for optimal cash game building. It's still, I mean, with guys like Keenan Allen, it, it's hard to not go in that direction. It'll just depend for me on where the running back value opens up. And I think one of the key pieces to that puzzle, if you will, is Austin Eckler, who returned to practice for the Chargers. He's priced at 6100 And I mean, this is a, you know, 72, 7300 type player who is, is, you know, just massively underpriced because he's been on IR. They have not quite activated him yet, although he is at practice and they can 
activate him and get him up there for Sunday against the Bills, I think Austin Eckler would be really interesting to consider as sort of a mid-range value at running back at 6,100. Yeah, I think of Austin Eckler is active. 6,100 is a phenomenal price for him, and I would I wouldn't mind playing him in cash at all. But let's say that he's not active. Would you consider Kalen Balaj again this week at 5,800 on the road against Buffalo, and he will have ownership in cash games? Will you go back to Balaj, or do you not like this spot as much for him? Uh, going into Buffalo. I, I mean, I, I would be totally fine with rolling Bellage. Absolutely. I mean, this is the game that I want as much exposure to as I can possibly get. And Bellage has had 15 targets over the last two weeks. He hasn't really had a ceiling, but he's shown that his floor is high. I mean, God, we almost had another injury scare with him. He was limited at practice on Wednesday, but he finished out the game, you know, did really well with the touches that he had, had 23 touches. So yeah, I would be absolutely fine with playing Kalen Bellage if if Austin Eckler misses this game. Okay, yeah, I I think I'm on the same page with you in terms of that. And uh, when I what I was talking about in terms of you know going back to the construction of last week. With last week, we played Delvin Cook at 9K and two 5K running backs. So for this week, what I was trying to get at is playing Delvin Cook, and then you could play Wayne Gallman, you know, Geo or Kalen Balaj, two 5K running backs. So it's very similar to what we did last week. I think that's where I'm leaning right now in cash games uh, because I, I want to pay up to at least one of the higher priced wide receivers. And I, I think that's the way that you have to go to get it done. But then you'd yeah. obviously be sacrificing, you know, Nick Chubb or James Robinson, or, you know, if you want Derek Henry, you'd be sacrificing one of the, the higher priced running backs to, to fit that specific build. Well, there's one major, major issue with trying to replicate last week's construction, and it's that we don't have Taysom Hill at 4,800. But you know who we do have? God. Say it with me. <laughs> Say it with me. Which which one? There's two. <laughs> Mike Glennon, 4,600 at home against the Browns. Bro. Would you ever consider playing Mike Glennon in cash for hundreds of dollars? You, you have your DraftKings... Uh, open right now i do while you're recording this click on mike lennon's name look at this man's picture dude looks like a long-necked bald giraffe i'm never playing <laughs> that man this man has a huge neck i can't play that in cash <laughs> i mean i guess he can see over the offensive line but jesus christ a tweet from Michael DiRocco on Twitter. Shout out to him. Jaguars quarterback Mike Glennon says he doesn't know when he'll get a chance to start start again. So he's going to let it rip on Sunday. He says he's got nothing to lose. That sounds like a player that I want to play on DraftKings. That sounds like a player that's going to throw the ball 50 times with no Fs given. At 4,600, it allows you to do some things. <laughs> it does. It does. You know what? I'll give it some thought. Maybe, maybe I wasn't giving his his long neck enough credit. It'll help him see down the field a little bit better, and I sh- and I should get on that Mike Glennon wave. So <laughs> I'll think about it. I will think about it. Teddy Bridgewater is expected back, right? Because PJ Walker, yes, shoot, but yeah, he is yes. back. Okay, all right. So that's out of play. Um, I mean, I think that realistically, if you're not paying up for one of the uh, you know, the Allens or the Herberts of the world. 
people will look to target the second highest total game of the slate because we have Matt Ryan at 5,900 and Derek Carr at 5,700. So we have two options in a projected good scoring environment below 6K. Do you think either of them are viable for cash? Yeah, I mean, I think Derek Carr is very cash viable at 5,700 on the road in Atlanta, one of the best spots on the board for any quarterback. Uh, Atlanta is giving up the most fantasy points per game on DraftKings to opposing quarterbacks and this is one of the highest totaled games on the slate so as it stands right now Derek Carr isn't projected to have much ownership but I think that could change come Sunday um, especially since this is a relatively tight week I, I think Derek Carr is firmly in play and that's something you'll you you know, never heard me say, or you'll never hear me say in any other week, because I don't think he has a very high ceiling. Uh, this is, this is just a guy that's going to get you 20 to 22 points, but I think that'll get it done this week. So I'm, I'm considering playing Derek Carr in cash. If I don't go the Josh Allen route, I do think it's worth considering, especially if no value opens up. But I mean, I think you're giving up a lot of potential ceiling by getting away mm-hmm. from that Bills Chargers game. I mean, a lot. both of those guys, could realistically hit 40 in this spot so I don't know I mean I'm not sure that I would say that I'm okay with it yet I think that I want to prioritize getting up to either Herbert or Allen if I can but we will see how the week uh, develops I think we can move on here to our tournament strategy for the week leverage stacks and long shots Joey take it in any direction you would like to Yeah, so I think this is going to be a fun tournament week because all of the best plays are, you know, the highest priced guys, obviously, and they're way too high priced. So you're going to need to find value. So with that being said, I think you can go cheap at quarterback in tournaments. I think it is viable this week. Obviously, you're going to be sacrificing ceiling, but one of the quarterbacks that I like a lot for tournaments this week is Matt Ryan at 5,900. Um, so talking about the other quarterback in that Raiders Falcons game, uh, at home, like I just said, against the Raiders, this is a very good spot for Matt Ryan. We know he does have a 30 to 35 point ceiling, has a 34 point game this year. And that's what we would hope for when playing Matt Ryan in tournaments is for him to throw 450 yards and four touchdowns. So I, I, I actually like playing Matt Ryan with Calvin Ridley or Julio if uh, Ridley is out, but both of them are questionable at this point. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But I, I think I'm going to be targeting the Falcons in tournaments this week. And then there's plenty of bring back options with rugs Aguilar, darren waller so i i think that's the game that could go overlooked especially with the chargers and bills on the slate and you could get leverage on the field just by uh going to that game so out of curiosity who do you prefer between rugs and Aguilar? because obviously rugs is the guy that we look at as more talent you know we've kind of regarded Aguilar as a bona fide scrub despite having a relatively good year here in vegas um, you know, who do you prefer between these two guys? Ruggs has just not been utilized in a way that has really gotten him to where he needs to be in fantasy. <sighs> I mean, yeah, that's a that's a tough, tough decision, I think. I think I would personally lean Ruggs just for his perceived upside, his perceived ceiling due to mm-hmm. his big playability, and it is an even week for Nelson Aguilar and Nelson Aguilar is pure trash on even weeks so I would probably fade him just off that alone so give me week splits 
Yep, give me give <laughs> the even and odd week splits. Um, he only snaps on odd weeks. So give me Henry Ruggs at forty three hundred. You take the six hundred dollar discount. But if I had to pick a player to run it back with, it'd be Darren Waller at 6K. Makes a lot of sense. And I agree as well, especially because I feel like the tides have turned on the perception of Nelson Aguilar. People are starting to come around to him. So if, you know, Henry Ruggs is getting overshadowed, you know, we see Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, these other rookie wide receivers, Chase Claypool going off. The expectations are really down on Ruggs right now. He could come in extremely low owned, I think. So I, I do like Ruggs as well. Um, You know, maybe as a car double stack with Ruggs, Waller, and then, you know, Calvin Ridley as a bring back type joint but um I, I mean i got a cap right now i'm putting on my cap and i'm getting ready to cap because there is a player right now that we have not mentioned who is the clear-cut best play on DraftKings in week 12 and this is a man whose chest is large he has a big chest <laughs> i think you know where i'm going antonio brown this is just a pure travesty to see this man priced at 5700 i mean god People are actually going to pay $100 more to play Robert Woods over Antonio Brown. Go on DraftKings, hit create a lineup, go to the main slate, 12-game main slate, hit the wide receiver tab, and scroll up and down until your your freaking fingers bleed. You're not going to see a better wide receiver in a talent sense than Antonio Brown on this slate. It took him a couple weeks to get involved in Tampa, started off with five targets in week nine, progressed to eight targets last week, led the team in targets, led the team in receptions, led the team in yards, and he has been just a half inch away from a long touchdown pass in two consecutive weeks. I think that Antonio Brown breaks out this week. I think he's still got the juice. And at 5,700, I mean, this is a player who, if it weren't for off-season concerns that took him out of football for a year, I mean, this would be like an 8K player. So yeah, Antonio Brown, 5,700 is my clear cut favorite play on the slate for tournaments. Projections right now have him at under 5%. So I'm smashing that in GPPs. And just in terms of raw cash, I'm playing him directly over Robert Woods. No question. This is the highest totaled game on the slate. The Bucks are underdogs. They're going to be passing. I mean, if you're playing Robert Woods over this man, you're giving up just a ton of scoring potential. That, that game has a 10 point lower Vegas total than the Bucks Chiefs game. Yeah, so I think that Antonio Brown is a good play, and you said he's the best tournament play on the board, right? Or am I bugging? I said he's the best play on the board, oh. period. Any position, Week 12, DraftKings main slate. So, I mean, if you think that, then you definitely have to play him in cash, 100%, because if somebody is a very good tournament play, chances are they're probably a very good cash play too, and I think that's where there's a lot of misconce- misconception among uh, new players or players who don't listen to a lot of fantasy podcasts or don't follow a lot of DFS touts. So Antonio, well, you know, just real quick, because that's a really interesting point before we move on. I think that it actually listening to podcasts before you've played DFS for a long time can actually propel that uh, wrong way of thinking because you'll hear players saying, well, he's good for cash or he's good for GPP. So if you don't really understand like why they're good for cash or why they're good for GPP, then I think that you might start like, you know, subconsciously separating them and thinking Mm -hmm. that it's either one or the other. And it's definitely not. And, you know, sometimes there is a guy who's only a good tournament play where he's not a good cash play. But just in this specific case, I I do think that Antonio Brown is both safe and has a ton of uh, untapped ceiling. So just just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely agree. I just think it's a tough 
situation that he's in with Chris Godwin, with Mike Evans, with Gronkowski, and then obviously the Tampa Bay running backs. Just a lot of mouths to feed. But I mean, God, this dude Antonio Brown lives with Tom Brady. Like, they're literally butt buddies, roommates. So it, it is to be expected that... Tom Brady would target him the most out of the wide receivers. Now, I will say it is a tough matchup, but defense doesn't really matter. Although the Chiefs have really been tough against opposing wide receivers. I mean, I think this is a spot that Antonio Brown can get there at 5,700. You're getting a supremely talented player in a good spot in the, you know, in the highest totaled game on the slate should be a lot of passing attempts for Brady but then again Brady hasn't been a good deep passer over the over the last month he literally has not connected on one deep throw in the last four games I don't know if you saw that uh picture or stat Mm -hmm. that was on Twitter but he's been trash Tom Brady hasn't been the same quarterback as he was early in the season which hurts the wide receivers upside this is a spot where Antonio Brown could realistically get there so I don't mind him at 5700 I probably won't play him in cash I probably won't play Robert Woods either uh but I I like him in tournaments in game stacks of that game what else you got for tournaments yeah so I think in tournaments you're definitely going to need exposure to the high total games, right? You're definitely going to need exposure to the Bills and Chargers game. I think that is probably the the best game to stack on the board. Should be a tournament winner, but I think you could pay up to be contrarian this week with Kyler Murray at 8,200. Love that. Should come in at low ownership due to him being priced above Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes. I think nobody will play DeAndre Hopkins with Keenan Allen right there, with Stephon Diggs right there, Tyreek Hill right there as well. So this is a spot where you pay up to get two elite fantasy players in a very good matchup against a Patriots defense that has been bad. They can't generate a pass rush on opposing quarterbacks. It's the worst thing in the world to watch as a Patriots fan. These opposing quarterbacks have seven to eight seconds in the pocket to do whatever they want. And I will say Gilmore is projected to shadow DeAndre Hopkins, but Hopkins is obviously, you know, one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL and could be any cornerback at any given moment. So like I said, this is just a spot where you pay up to be contrarian and then you can uh, run it back with you know, several Patriots wide receivers that are cheap if you want Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird, etc. So I think that it's one of my favorite mini stacks on the board this week is is Murray and Hopkins and you figure out the rest of your lineup. I like that a lot. I would have said it if you didn't. I I, I was thinking the same thing because people are just not going to want to pay up that high, especially when you're passing on guys like Herbert Allen and Mahomes for cheaper. So yeah, Murray for sure. I mean, are you, do you have any concern about his shoulder? I mean, he is limited practice when Wednesday and he had a sprained AC joint, if I'm not mistaken, in his right shoulder. So, um, you know, that that's obviously suboptimal, but it was a Thursday game last week. So he's had some extra time to get healthy and some extra prep time as well. And it's just, it seems like it's going to be a massive problem for the, uh, the Patriots defense and the lack of pass rush to try and contain Kyler Murray. Oh yeah. We definitely won't be able to contain Murray at all. Like I would not be surprised if he runs for his highest totaled rushing yards of the season on the Patriots defense. That's from somebody who's watched every Patriots game. That, that's, that's that's not really a bold 
take, but I think this is a spot where he could have 115 yards on the ground. Uh, and he he will probably score one or two rushing touchdowns. So not really too concerned about the shoulder when you get that type of rushing upside out of Kyler Murray. And then obviously, if he's good to go, I, I won't be too scared of that injury because I don't think they would play him if if it was really that big of a concern. So that's my take on Kyler. And the the bold take is that he rushes for his highest total yardage of the season in this spot against New England. I like it. I like it. All right, my last point. Here. Here in terms of a tournament play that I absolutely love is Cream Hunt at 5600 I mean, you are getting a significant $1,500 discount to get off of Nick Chubb, who's going to be significantly higher owned. And, you know, obviously Nick Chubb being there kind of removes Cream Hunt from the workhorse role that he's had, but he's still shown a lot of touch upside, even in games where Nick Chubb was there. Both of them had over 19 touches in week 10 against Houston, even with Chubb back. Kareem Hunt touched the ball, what, 22 times in week 10 against Houston. There was another game early in the season where they both had 18 plus touches. And it's a great matchup for all the reasons that we, you know, like Nick Chubb and talked about him at the beginning. And you're just getting an ownership discount. You're getting leverage off one of the chalkiest running backs on the slate. And you're exposing yourself to a higher uh, receiving ceiling for $1,500 less in a range that I think people are going to be more uh, likely to play Gio Bernard or or even like Wayne Gallman. I'm surprised that they dropped his price that low. They gave him what yeah. an $1,100 price de- decrease from last week, and it's not like his role has changed. He's still seeing 15 plus touches in every single game, even with Nick Chubb there. I mean, he had 14 last week, but that that's still a healthy amount of touches, and he's getting the goal line attempts as well. So I don't really understand the price decrease but that's a situation that you could take advantage of this week by exploiting this cheap price tag on cream hunt and he will come at lower ownership as well this week uh, because like you said there are plenty of running backs in that range that are going to be more owned than cream hunt you can get him for projected less than 10 percent owned right now so definitely one of the best gbp plays on the board this week what else do you have? you have anything else for tournaments here? No, but I think we can uh, transition into our tournament long shots for, for this week. So who's who's your tournament player that you're going to need to win GPPs this week? I, I think I might already know who it is, but just wanted to ask you. Well, I kind of already gave it, I guess. I mean, it's Antonio Brown for me, especially if he's sub 3%. I think that, that that's kind of my guy. Um <laughs> Well, who did you think I was going to go with? Because no, I could cap for anybody in an instant. Just <laughs> let me know and I'll put on the cap. Nah, I knew it was going to be Antonio Brown. I just didn't know if you were going to stick by it as a tournament long shot. I think he could yeah. come with ownership this week. So I don't know if I would really consider it a long shot. But, you know, if you think he's going to smash, then... I think it's an acceptable answer. Yeah, I mean, if he's 3% owned, I'll I'll be like 30% on him at least minimum in my tournament lineups. I'll go 10x the field if I have to. I mean, if he's 5% owned, then I'll play him 50%. I am going to capitalize off this man, Big Chest, this week. I swear (laughs) to God I am. Mr. (laughs) Mr. Big Chest uh, coming through. And the person that I am going to put my mark on for this week for NFL Week 12 in large field tournaments is Henry Ruggs. At 4,300, it's a great spot for him, and I think he has 
a very high ceiling. We haven't really seen it this year. He's only scored one game over 10 points on the entire year, but I think this is a spot where he can score multiple long touchdowns against a terrible Atlanta secondary. So give me Henry Ruggs at 2% owned, 4300 so very cheap, and I think he can win somebody a million dollars this week. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's finish off this show with our best bets. I mean, God, it's it's almost embarrassing to call them best bets. I just fell under 50%. You know, we're both coming off of like a two-week stretch of just catching L after L. Let's get some redemption right here, right now. Best bets week 12. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's been a terrible, terrible losing streak. So we have to rectify that. I'll give a couple out that I like. I like the over... In the Buffalo Chargers game, we've talked about it the whole podcast. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Could be the highest game, highest totaled game on the slate when it's all said and done. So at fifty-two and a half, that that's just a great total. I think. I also it's it's uh it's moved up. Oh, all right. It's it's fifty-three and a half. Are you still taking it? There? I'm still taking it at fifty-three and a half. That all right. won't uh, dissuade me from you know from betting on that. And then another game that. I am going to tell the listeners to bet on that I also like. I'm going against my team on this one. I like the Cardinals minus two and a half. The Patriots, terrible. They they suck. Okay, their defense sucks. Offense sucks. And I think this is a very good spot for Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake. So give me the Cardinals minus two and a half and give me the over in the Buffalo game. Those are my two best bets for NFL week 12. I shit you not. Those are literally the two that I had written down too. That actually makes me feel really good that we both. I mean, those are two, two smash bets. bets. Yeah, I mean, they they're, they clearly stand out. So it's I'm glad that we both came to that. And I'm going to add one more. So I'm taking both of those as well. And I'm adding one more to it for mine. And that's going to be the over just on uh, the Chargers team total, because I think that they're getting absolutely disrespected right now <laughs> by Vegas. The Chargers are, you know, have a 24 implied team total below the New York Giants, below the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. No shot. They smashed 24 points. And, and that's kind of, I mean, how you could parlay that with the, uh, with the bills over in that game as well. But yeah, so those are my three and we are sailing to the money on these bets this week. Yeah, that's kind of disrespectful that they that they have their team total lower than uh the Giants and the Dolphins. Uh god, that that's a, that's a good bet. And we're definitely going undefeated this week cuz just it's just variance. We 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 we're going to hit the right side of variance this week. Absolutely. But that is going to be it for episode 110 of the DFS Dose podcast. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support the show by following us on any of our podcasting platforms. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also help our YouTube channel grow by subscribing to that as well, almost at 130 subscribers. So, you know, that that's a super simple way, free way to help us out. And we can return the favor if you join our free Discord channel. We're happy to answer any DFS questions at any time. We basically live on that channel 24-7, DFS talk, life talk, whatever you want to do. Finally, you can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. 
You can find me on Twitter at JoeyCarrionDFS. All right, guys, we will be back on Monday morning to give you our week 12 recap. Let's make some strong plays, sail to the money, and we will talk to you then.